Uh, good evening, everybody, lovely people. If you are joining us, please like and share this. Uh, happy Sunday, and thank you for joining us. I'm Charles, and as always, joined by the crew of Chris, Sharif, and Ray, the birthday man. You know what I'm saying? Like I said, ain't, don't look a day over 26. Uh, <laughs> but it's we get to down. do something different today. We get the opportunity to lift up some new young black leaders in this space uh, who are amazing black dads and did not come up in the education space the way a lot of people that work in ed do. And um, I know that there was a lot of guidance that I needed before and didn't have anybody to go to. So that's what this show is really, really about. So uh, I'm going to go and introduce these brothers. But before I do, uh, let me go ahead and check in on on y'all, man. Uh, let's just start with you, Chris. How you feeling, bro? It's another week. Uh, <laughs> we're good. What I say every week, man? I'm blessed. We're eating. We're full. We have food. We have housing. We have shelter. And uh, the backdrop of the world is kind of like your backdrop that you have behind you on your green screen. Turning. Uh, it's turning and it looks like flames. But but yours, I don't see any flames on that. But but yeah, yeah, we're doing good like you are, you know, up front. And then behind us, uh, the backdrop is the world's burning. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know? yeah, man, let's go to the let's go to the birthday boy, man. He said he said like flames happening, man. Let's go to the birthday boy. Man, listen, I uh, appreciate everybody uh, that reached out to me, the Eight Black Ham fam uh, family, uh, um, all the folks that watched the show that were uh, uh, wishing me uh, love on Twitter and on Facebook and on IG. Man, I appreciate it. Um, I, I guess the highlight of my day yesterday was uh, I tore my shoulder up yesterday, um, trying to trying to act like I'm as young as Sharif, old ass. And... Um, I was on the Oculus, and so I was doing like this, this Muhammad, this, uh, this, uh, this, uh, this Creed. You know, I was, I was, huh, huh, huh. Then next thing you know, I hear this loud ass uh, bang, my head, and hit the wall. <laughs> bro, you supposed to map out the safety like, I zone. I mapped bro. out the area. The area was mapped out, bro. <laughs> good for you. You know what I mean? Karma is karma is something. That's good. Yeah. Like your just... Oculus. But here goes the thing, though. Wait, wait until we start doing the show in the metaverse. And I think this the one you was looking for right here. This is this is what's happening behind us right now, Chris. It's a it's it's going up. It's that's all a, going yeah, up. In yeah, front. that's more like yeah, yeah. <laughs> but wait, yeah. wait till the eight black hands. I hit the metaverse. We coming, baby. Yeah. So that was save us. Did you wait, wait, before we go to you, Sharif, did you get everything you want? Can everybody get in here and please wish our guy Ray a happy birthday? Can his eight black style. hands family get in here? I know you probably said it. Say it yo, again, damn it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yo, I, I I appreciate everybody. And yes, I did get what I wanted, but here's the here's the reason why I got what I wanted. I got what I wanted because I went out and I bought that shit myself. Right. <laughs> And so and so like I'm I'm a very thoughtful gift giver and like those that's around me and love me are thoughtful gift givers as well but it's really difficult to get someone a gift if they already have much of what they want because they go out and they get it themselves right and so rather than put that on people I just went out and I just I just did my thing man I had a day of love yesterday. some ugly joints that too yeah y'all hilarious yeah. man reef how you doing boss Good man. I uh, one of my daughters turned eight, man. So it was uh, on Tuesday, and so you know uh, today we you know did a little celebrating and just just being in the moment, you know, uh, with a with an eight year old and my niece turned ten, uh, and her party was yesterday. So it's been a weekend of daughters and nieces, you know. Um, so it's, it's been a uh, good good yeah, stuff time with the family, you know. 
Well, it's good to see all of you brothers, man. Real talk. I know it's a lot going on in the world and, you know, I always feel good when I'm with y'all. So, you know, now let's get back to these guests. Um, you know, our first guest is Marquise Evans. Uh, he's been on with us before. Uh, he's the program manager of Energy Converters and the financial literacy educator at Kip Bridge Academy in West Oakland. Uh, he is an alum of the Fort Valley State University. And make sure you say it like that. And also a black father to a rather cool little black boy that I love watching run around our office, man. I love that young man. And he would also like y'all to know he is from middle Georgia. Um, so you can bring in Marquise. And our second guest is Michael McDaniel. So he is also a black father. He got four, four beautiful babies. Uh, he's an Oakland native, retired U.S. Army vet, and he's worked in uh, for 12 years in the Postal Service. And I've personally been able to work with Michael in our PAC, uh, Power to Families. And also he is the new political director and lead parent organizer over at Families in Action for Quality Education. And that just means a lot to me. Uh, been involved with a lot of those organizations, but, you know, Dirk and I, you know, when we were putting that piece together, man, and just thinking about having young black male leadership be a part of it, man, it, it just, I'm glad that that got to finally manifest. Uh, he's just one of the coolest down to earth brothers any that you will ever meet. So, Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Um, how are you both? I will start with Marquise. Uh, how you doing tonight, man? Man, all is great, fantastic, full, and amazing, bro. I'm definitely um, excited to join on today, and I appreciate y'all inviting me. That's so wait, 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 wait. Before you get before you get to Michael, man, let's let's start with this Marquise thing. So we're putting the on the front of HBCUs now. That's what's happening. Well, you already know we're the one and only D4 okay. Valley State University. You did. All right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to the groups. Yeah. Okay. Don't and eight black hands, uh, eight black hands hoodies that say you dig on it is coming very soon. Appreciate that, brother. <laughs> Unless you design it, will not cut you in, though. Uh, now, go ahead, Mike. How you doing, man? Good, good. I appreciate this. You guys are uh, feeling blessed. And apparently, it's uh, the birthday theme. I just had my daughter. Her eighth, eighth birthday was this past Friday. So Yeah, that's the age, bro. Happy birthday to her. <laughs> right, right. Now, appreciate you, gentlemen. And uh, glad to be here. Man, that's what's up, man. So, fellas, before... So, we wanted to do this a little bit differently, right? Like, uh, basically... You know, the four of us got together, Mike and Keith, if you don't know, just four friends. And we used to just have these stories and just talk. And we built a friendship through it. And then one day we was like, why don't we record it? And it became the A Black Hands. But we needed each other because it was just crazy stuff happening. And we would think we was the crazy people. What I wanted for you two today is I wanted y'all to have questions. And, and as, as new people, especially you, Mike, and, and, I, and I think it's so dope. I wanted to put in a part about the postal service. Because somebody, a dad who was just concerned, and also I didn't mention, but he got hurt in the army, which allowed him to be able to step back from work and, and, and then say, you know what, I'm going to lock in on my kid's education. And now he's doing all this work. So I know what that struggle is of doing his work in the Bay Area, being a black man, a strong black man with a strong voice. Uh, and also the fellas have been really staunch on not erasing black dad. So fellas, these brothers have questions for us. And Michael, we're gonna let you tee us up first, man. Hold on, wait, 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 wait. I'm Go sorry. Ahead. I, I don't mean to interrupt. It's all I, good. I want Go them ahead. to be able to get their questions off and I'll stay after for them to get their questions. But I have some questions for them, bro, before we get into the questions that they have for us. There's a <laughs> lot happening. There's a lot happening in the educational landscape in Oakland right now. Uh, I feel like I just got a, a tweet today uh, asking us to please address uh, students walking out of class or students striking uh, in, in Oakland. 
So yeah. I don't know what's happening, but if you guys could kind of lay that out for us so that we can support in any way, I would love it. Yeah, I, I know what you're It was the lady, and she she also watches the, uh, the the Common Ground show. So she's like an Oakland person or whatnot. And basically what she was asking me to do is kind of tell these kids, like, yo, to not do this. And what I would say to her is my job is never to tell kids what to think but how to think and what the process of that is. So we went through that in our first report about when the union did this strike and then I, we knew how it was going to play out, but we had to let the kids think for themselves. So basically what I would say to that, that, that young lady and to give you some context, Ray, Oakland is in a, a, a systemic <laughs> uh, budgetary issue. It's been like this, not for five years, not for 10, like, I mean, going on 40 years or whatever, but we have the most schools per capita um, and it means that money is getting spread very thin. We have 20 plus schools uh, more than what we should have. So they're trying to right size. The issue is that the schools that are going to be closed down tend to be black schools and brown schools. But here's the thing. Those are schools that hold buildings of 500 kids. And now those parents have decided to move, change, left the city or, or had choices. And now you got schools that hold 500 only having enrollment of about 120, 130. So it's a much more complicated issue. And what I would say is, it's beautiful watching these young people and these and everybody come together around this issue of education. What I would say, though, is that this is not a new issue. And we were working for years and years saying, hey, this issue is coming. This is coming. We need to have these conversations or whatnot. We needed folks to kind of, you know, so it's a complicated thing. I'm not going to tell people how to think or what to do. I'm not going to say anything to those young people. But hopefully that context was helpful. And Michael just did an amazing uh it got picked up. I don't know if it was a chronicle or where the article was, but he just started talking about it. But what was it? What was the ask? You said, Ray, they asked you to do what? Just bring it up to, to tell talk the about kids. It, OK, no. I thought you said. Well, they, so so this, this particular person wanted, wanted us to kind of, you know, gear uh, lead the students in a certain direction. But as Charles said, when when when, when the, the young folks are activating, man, you don't get in their way. You let them do what they're going to do. And I'll give my thoughts. I'm going to be honest, but I'm not going to tell you don't do this or do that. Like, I'm not going to give you talk. Oh, they were asking narrative. us to tell the kids. No, to do I don't. Something. No, it, I mean, it. she's a very sweet. I mean, this, this is a sweet person. I think they the facts are getting left behind. And, and they were just like, yo, can you be the voices of reason? And the voice of reason that will be is the facts of this, that and the third. But Michael and Fia uh, is doing a lot of work around this right now and talking about it. He just did a whole op ed around, you know, basically. Well, I'll tell you, why don't you just say what the headline was uh, since you wrote it, uh, the message that you have for the community, brother. No, thank you. I mean, uh, it got picked up by the East Bay Times. Um, and so like like you were kind of leading to, Charles, like the, the issues in Oakland are really, really systemic. Uh, but as a father, there's a lot of people out here that like to try to direct the narrative away from what's important. A lot of the schools that are being closed are the ones that underserve our people the most. You got two and three percent of black and brown kids able to read on on grade level. I mean, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. And like a big part of the problem is Oakland went out of its way to have a small schools initiative. This was something that they kind of planned for to have happen. But through years of mismanagement, you end up in a place where you at now. And people don't really have the information that they need at the end of the day. So you have a lot of parents that, yeah, it, it breaks their convenience. It doesn't be, it's not the most right size fit for them. It makes it harder for them at the end of the day. But I'll tell you, as a father, I've made plenty of sacrifices 
to take my kids where they needed to be, not where it was most convenient for me. Yeah. So, I mean, I know if any, did anybody else want to chime in on that before they jumped into their questions? I mean, I just wanted to, you know, yeah, so, so oh, go ahead. I, go ahead, Ray. I, it's sobering, right, to hear a black father actually call the system out in a way in which it's impacting kids, right? And so, not based off of an opinion, but based off of the facts, you got two to three percent of of kids that are that are on grade level. That's insanity. Right. And so regardless of whatever kind of allegiance that you may have to a school uh, based off of the history of that school, based off of whatever you as a as a parent, you can't want your kid to, to, to go through that kind of system. And, and knowing what the results are going to be, regardless of whatever you put in or, or put out into that kind of system. I just I want better for young people. Oh no, man! Look, knowing knowing the le- reading level of of kids is is a racist concept. So, you know, like whatever, <laughs> like that's just that's just racist. You, know, you shouldn't know if you don't you know. You said some racist concept. If you don't know what level they're on, then he's trolling, you know. brother. He is, he, is, he is being sarcastic. <laughs> but Chris, I, I know you. Uh, you know, I know you have somewhat of an ear to what's been happening. So. You know, this ain't the first time you've heard about uh, the district's fiscal problem. So, you know, we met on that. So, yeah. No, I mean, the the, pro- the problems are eternal and they go back many years. And what happens is people leave the system because kids graduate out and every problem to is new to the new group of parents. Right. If you were parents in the 70s, 1970s, you probably heard something that sounded like this. If you were a parent in the 1980s, you probably heard something that sounded like this. If you were a parent in the 1990s, you know what I mean? Like decade by decade, there's expand and contract and neighborhoods move and all that stuff. Oh, we have fiscal problems. Fiscal problems are eternal. Like they're eternal, especially in some cities more than others. But listen, if you're going to close schools, you know, because you got 500 kids in a school that was maybe meant for a thousand. Maybe you should leave no, those you open. don't. No, no. I don't know if there's any school except for like a tech or very yeah. few schools have 500 in Oakland is the problem. That's the issue. We'll close the white schools and move them to the schools so that everybody I, can I have the opportunity. This. You know, yeah. Just like close the white schools because, you know, like, listen, the people in the white schools are so sincere and honest about integration. They want it really like more than any other population in the United States. They really love integration. So I think you should tell them there's an opportunity. Why don't we help you move to opportunity? We're going to shut hey, your just schools. Just put the whole screen on him. <laughs> we're going to shut your schools and we're going to give you the opportunity to live out your declared values because you love integration and Negroes. So let's close your schools and kill two birds with one stone. We'll yeah, close man. white schools and move you into the black schools so you can have the opportunity to be with two things you love: integration and Negroes. I just solved your problems. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why y'all pay anybody there. Send me my check. Hey, I'm so done. listen. So here and here's the thing, right? And I know a lot of those people that's on the front lines. I know about the hunger strike and all that. I know. I like, and I would just say this. Wait, but wait, we, but wait. Y'all, a hunger strike. A lot of details. Who's having? Yeah. A so this is. Fight? So this is what I'm saying. We don't have enough time to yeah, really right. jump. That's why I didn't go there. But, you know, but, but here's yeah, the thing. Jump into, into the in the comic and common grounds for self-determination, we had Jamoke on and we actually broke everything down. We broke down the numbers. Right, we wrote down the reports it, that came out five years ago. We broke down what it looked like 20 years ago when we started to see this. We broke down how people wanted small schools and small schools was the precipice in the beginning of this kind of discord. So 
there is a there is a lot of nuance. I know people don't like that word, but we use that and we love our students and we love those folks that's out there because I know you don't have all the information. And, you know, it always it also feels good to be a part of something. So at any at any rate, man, thank you for the question. Um, I want to let these brothers get theirs in, but uh, we can revisit it. I'll drop the link while they're talking. But um, Michael, what's your first question for the fellas, man? Uh, my first question, and again, I really appreciate this opportunity. So, you know, when making the choice to put yourself into the eye of the public as a black leader, um, even some of the comments, you know, you face negativity and backlash for some of the things that you try to stand up for, um, you know, and how, how have you gentlemen managed to navigate that and still mm. manage to stay engaged in the work? Mm. So I, I, I'll, I'll, take a, I'll take a stab at this. So I, I think um, I think in terms of addressing your, your question, uh, you have to center your work around young people, right? And so if you center your work around the students, then it kind of allows you the opportunity to kind of, uh, you know, disengage with like the noise that, that, that happens around you, right? Because it's centered on, you know, what, what all, all children can do and your belief in what they can do. And so I like to think about it in the sense of what I would want for my child, right? And so then everybody becomes my child, right? And so then when I make decisions as a leader, I make decisions that will impact, that will have the least amount of impact for students, right? And so I choose as a leader, uh, most people try to balance this and try to put the needs of adults uh, on the same level as the needs of students. I don't, I don't lead that way. I lead uh, based off of what the needs of students are first, and then secondary becomes adults needs. Right. And so you'll have like people from that are like unionists. Right. That'll be like, oh, well, the kids can't succeed if the adults aren't happy. I don't know a shit about adult happiness when it comes down to students. Right. And so I want to make sure that students are getting everything they need. If you're not there to be that beacon of hope and that light for students, then I don't want you around me and I don't want you around my kids. Uh, Chris and Sharif, do y'all have any answers for him, man? Like how to stay focused in this when it starts getting crazy, backlash, all that stuff? Yeah, I mean, it reminds me when I uh, first became a principal, uh, you know, some of the elders uh, told me like, hey, young man, you know, we see what you were doing as a teacher and as a principal. Now that you're a principal, keep your head down and don't bring any attention to yourself, you know. And I've never been like loud about, you know, I have friends who are super loud about educational justice. I never, you know, was, uh, was loud or anything, but, you know, I, I really, you know, heard what they said. And, and what I understood from that is that they had their heads chopped off so many times. And so some of that, you know, pushback or, or feedback was their own experiences, fears, concerns, you know, um, out of love, but it was just like, it didn't fit with me. Um, I agree with Ray. I think, you know, having some don't agree with me. This time, just this one bit, one bit of piece, the core principles, I think, you know, you stay steadfast with that. But me, I, I think I have core principles that I believe in that, that those are, you know, solid. And I try to be a little self skeptical about other things. Right. So I don't become dogmatic or just like, oh, no, this is the right way. I, I always want to have this healthy questioning just to, you know, like, you know, refine my thinking, take feedback, you know, from this from this loop and understanding, right? And so the principles don't budge, but there are other things that I'm like, huh, you know what? Maybe I need to change that, adjust that, uh, strategize differently. So I, I think, you know, having that North Star 
but then also being flexible and thinking, nimble and thinking around, um, you know, around other areas, right? Because sometimes feedback and criticism may be, you know, not that their intention is right, but you still may be able to take something from that and, and use it, right? And then other times of being able to discern like, nah, that's nonsense. I'm going to totally ignore that. This one, your attention was not good, but let me take this and flip it. And now I'm going to still use your arrow, but to my betterment, even though I know you weren't really, you weren't wishing, giving this to me for envisioning my success, you were really trying to, uh, you know, uh, do damage. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, but having the humility to still go through that process without just like, I know what I believe in, I, th- I know what this and, and this is and just charging through. So that's, that's how I try to approach it. And whatever you do, don't agree with Ray. <laughs> you 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 eighty percent there. You eighty percent on the right track. As long as you doing the opposite of whatever he said. You know I mean? Hey, see the tweet I just sent. <laughs> oh Lord, here we go. We live tweeting. You know, let hey, me jump focus, in on this right? and just say this. Uh, you know, I don't think you have to think of yourself as a leader or as an organizer or as anything specific, but you do have to think of yourself as somebody who has a right to be here, a right to be in the discussion. Because when I was new to this as a, a younger father, I never really felt like I had the right to be in those buildings and in these discussions and in these places. I, I didn't feel like I had the right kind of background and the right kind of knowledge set of things. It was really easy to make me feel ignorant because I was up to a lot of things. But I was always uh, knowledgeable about the fact that what I didn't know, and I was also knowledgeable about the fact that I was always a good learner, like I could learn. So I I, I come to the meeting. I'm not coming as a thing. I'm not coming as a leader or as an organizer or an activist or any of those things. I'm coming because I have a right to be here. My child is up in the school system. And that at, at least starting from there, I don't have to talk every time I come. I don't have to say anything every time I come. I just have to suck it up and start listening and absorbing things. And eventually I start thinking of myself as somebody who has something. I've learned a few things. Now I can share it with some other people because some people shared some information with me. We're all in an information exchange anyways. Eventually I think of myself as an activist and as an informant and a community informant. I get there eventually, but it just starts with just showing up because you have a right to be there. These are your children. Um, and you learn over time. Listen, I just want to be real about it too. You can choose to take a path where you are listening and helping all that you can, but you don't have to do everything. Not everybody has to do everything. I lost like three jobs along the way because of my public politics, because of things that I was saying that was coming out of my mouth. So I took some material loss in some places. <laughs> I went on unemployment a few times because of, uh, you know, things that I said publicly or whatnot. So it did have ramifications, but not everybody has to do that. You get to decide how you want to play within the game, but show up, uh, learn all that you can. When they hand out documents, take all the documents home with you, right? And you don't have to read them all on one weekend, read them over time, and then come back and don't play. When you come back and you're ready, don't play, right? Um, But you don't have to think of yourself in terms of some specific kind of, I, I don't know what to call it. Like, like I think that scares people. That scares people to not even want to come show up. You know, worked all day. <laughs> Somebody's inviting you to a meeting. It's after. It's six o'clock at night, seven o'clock at night. You at this meeting. You sitting there. You're not sitting there thinking like you something. You sitting there like I can't wait to get home and finish dinner, right? And that's just real. That's realistic. But keep coming. Mm. Yo, I wish I could have gotten that pandemic unemployment. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. So with that, uh, to, to prove my point that not everybody has to be a leader, we right? to prove my point that sometimes <laughs> you just get to show up and talk. <laughs> and, and Mike, if that you know, and like I act like we we back in, we back in in the town, like you a town dude, like you know what I'm saying. Make sure you know. I mean, those are some nice buttoned up questions, but you know, asking how you want to ask it, man, because like forget about the crowd, forget about the people here. I'm trying to make sure that y'all can one do really amazing work that y'all need to do and not go crazy in the process. Because uh, I think that all of us have had those moments where we felt crazy. Uh, Keith, uh, coming to you, good brother. Um, what you got, man? Um, so for me, my biggest thing, like to be honest, I've been um, been thinking about this for a long time. It's actually been stressing me out a little bit. Um, it's like a it's like a high need for black educators, and um, since I've been in California, I noticed that there's a lack of teachers who can actually maintain an effective classroom. Like, hmm. I really would like to get out of the classroom and like get into like more leadership roles. But my thought process is like, damn, like who am I leaving my classroom to, and am I contributing to the problem if I leave the classroom? And so my my question is, is like um, for y'all, at what moment did y'all know it was time for y'all to leave the classroom? And I just need some type of wisdom behind this decision. So I'm really trying to decide what I'm going to do further in like my education career. Um, I mean, I, I'm, I'm happy to assist with that. Uh, so I, 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 I made my decision and it was it was one that was still centered around students. Right. And so, like, I, I felt like, you know, any any really good teacher. Uh, knows that they're the principal of their classroom. And when I say the principal of your classroom, that means that I'm not sending anybody out. I don't have to do any of those things because I know that I can take care of everything that I need to take care of within the four walls and the confines of my classroom, right? But when I started thinking about the students that were coming to me from other classrooms, right? And how I had to take two to three minutes in order to get them on the anchor plan as opposed to being on a plan that they were prior to coming to my class. I started to think about, okay, well, you know, writ large, what can I do in order to help my colleagues do what they need to do in order to make sure that, you know, every class was like a, a, a anchor type class. And so by making that leap into administration, that was my way of doing that. Right. So now I don't have my classroom, but I have the ability to go in and coach others in terms of like how they need to show up for kids. Right. And so there's a certain way that you need to show up for kids in and um, and everybody does not have that in them to be able to do that, but to be able to talk, talk shop about the strategies that I used and hopefully that they can use and embark upon to want to create this, this atmosphere that you're talking about in order for kids to thrive and kids to learn and kids to show up like themselves. Um, you're at a place to where you can do that now, right? You've been in the classroom for years, so you know your way around the classroom. You know how to coach people up. You know exactly what people need to hear in order to motivate them to want to be better educators. Um, I feel like you're starting to get a sense of like what work-life balance means for you uh, with, with having a kid and like doing all those other things and whatnot. So I think that now is like prime time for you to take that walk into leadership. That's me to you, seeing what you're doing on social media, seeing what you do and what you bring to everything all encompassing. I think it's your time. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, and I feel your your pain, um, Keish. You know, that was one of the you know hardest decisions. Matter of fact, every job I left, it was extremely hard to leave, um, and I think that's that's a really positive sign um, in my experience. And I think you know, really, you know, just taking it all into account, like you know, uh, one of my elders told me once that you know, right now you're 
you're stirring a pot. And if you have the opportunity and your children are benefiting from that pot that you're stirring, um, imagine if you're able to stir on multiple pots and like, what would that mean for, you know, student achievement? What would that mean for the community? Um, and I think, yeah, I, you know, just like, uh, you know, again, Ankram talked about like centering the children, um, I, very similarly of centering uh, the community. And I was fortunate that um, the community was asking me to, you know, come into administration or, or leadership uh, in the school beyond. And, and, you're already leading in that space, right? They were, what they were asking me to do was do more formal leadership, um, which I imagine that, that you're also hearing that as where it's not just you and what you want, but you're also, uh, you know, I believe hearing from the community. So um, I think those are all like weighty decisions, but at the end of the day, you know, your influence may be even larger. And part of, you know, part of what we say in Freedom School is your job is to train your replacement, right? So even if, you know, um, you know, where you're concerned, which is really important, like who's replacing you? You know, part of our, our job as leaders is to train our replacements. Um, so that's, a, you know, something that you can also put in the calculus as you are thinking about this transition. Think about who, who can, uh, you know, uh, step in that role, um, you know, so, yeah. I mean, how you feel about that, Keish, right? Like, I feel like, I think those are good answers. What I'm hearing you say, though, is like, not that you got, I mean, he don't have no control over who's going to have them kids next year, right? Like, yeah, but it's not about, like, him hiring it. He can still right, have right, influence. Right. He's an leader. He has influence. So if he knows on the landscape, a college student, someone's coming out or someone like, hey, would you be interested in, 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 in teaching, right? It doesn't mean that he's the hiring body. And he, he very likely has influence on, you know, in his network, who would be that dope teacher? You know, um, who would you want to work next to? Who would you want to be, you know, to have that kind of impact? So that's what I mean. Not necessarily like, oh, go pluck somebody and throw them in your room. Uh, but really around that is still going back to that influential role that that he has um, in the leadership position he's in that he's now trying to expand. I mean, it's a tough decision, man. It, listen, I was in the classroom for almost 10 years and every step I made, I went like kicking and screaming. I didn't want to be assistant principal. And then, you know, I was at the same school for a decade. I didn't want to leave there. Then the two years ago, I didn't want to leave a uh, shoemaker, right? Like each, each time it was like, no, I can't, no, no, you know, but, you know, also, and also, um, you know, there may be, there may be uh, things that, you know, that are in the next iteration where you can influence and support and push and challenge and agitate even more. Hey, Chris, jump in here, man, because you might not have run a school, but you work. For, you are the CEO of Brightbeam, the company that I most want to work for over the center. Um, <laughs> Every time you say that, he pulls down a job, uh, job uh, you know, saw, off saw, the site. I, I he, he, he can't. He's like, wait a minute, Ray might be applying for this. So he takes I, it I, down. So I, saw I, I saw that. I, I saw it. I saw it. I saw it. It's nice to run a place where good people want to work. Um, this one's hard for me because uh, because I'm not in the system. I don't know what it's like to be um, somebody who feels like you have a calling to teach, but you're coming to the end of that being your leadership role and you want to do other things. Because I can see like there's only a certain number of black male teachers, right? And we spend so much time trying to get black male teachers into the classroom that every time one gets pulled out to become 
put on, you know, the, the principal track or the administrative track or, you know, you're going to be in a superintendent one day or whatnot. It's like one of the only professions where people say you're really good at what you do. You should stop doing it, you know, but it's also a high burnout situation, a situation where you don't feel like you always have the most power to be able to do what you want to do. So I feel like it's there's no easy advice for that one. There's no easy answer for it. You know the time when it's time to leave. Um, I, I wish more people, to be very honest with you, would make the decision to leave when they should, right? Like, I can't tell you when your time is to leave, but I can tell you there's a lot of teachers that have quit and keep showing up every day, right? You shouldn't mm. do both. You shouldn't quit and stay, right? <laughs> like, you know, uh, you shouldn't, you know, like how 50 Cent say, you know, uh, uh, get rich or die trying. You shouldn't do both. You shouldn't get rich and die trying, right? Like, you know, like like you, you, you should pick one. Uh, so there are a lot of teachers you just mentioned who are already in class. You're looking around, you're seeing some of your colleagues. Some of them should quit and maybe some of the more talented ones should find a way to... Um, I don't know, build on what, what their best work could be. I, I, I wish more like we have so few black males in the classroom and I'm sure we're going to burn them out as a highly feminized occupation. It's an occupation where you're, if you're black and male, you will find yourself in situations where you have to put both of those things in your back pocket, your maleness or your blackness in your back pocket because it's such a feminized occupation. It's, it's not the easiest thing in the world uh, to do, but it's a shame every time we lose one of y'all. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, mine was social work. I, okay, I think, is he disavowing? Know. What What is he disavowing now? Which part are you disavowing? What's wrong? Is so, it a so Is I, it a highly feminized occupation? Well, I take, I, yeah, no. Is it an occupation that will make brothers put their maleness or their blackness in their back pocket just to survive something? No, it is not. I will okay. not put either right. of those things in my back pocket. I will show up as who I am, and and they're gonna just have to deal with it. But not here, teach you no more. <laughs> it, it's not, right, and here's the thing, though, right? And, and, and here's what I'll say too, as you know, that Marquis, I know how much is, is a struggle for you. The same way it was a struggle for me when I was deciding if I was going to leave social work, and I had the same issue, right? Like I know who's getting these kids out. I know who's getting my families afterwards, and they don't move like I move. They don't rock like I move. And what I would say to the educator, like leadership that's listening out there, same for social work, same for a lot of these places that fit the bill that Chris was talking about. Don't make all your black male teachers the disciplinarians. Don't throw all the kids, the black kids in a class and hold them accountable to that. Don't need them for being able to manage the classroom. But then when they got ideas that it's counter to yours, don't say that they're a threat or that you felt threatened. Like, I mean, mm -hmm. there's a lot of different things. And I see some head nodding that's happening right now. Mm -hmm. So that's me talking to those administrators. What I'm also going to say to you, Marquise, is you get to be happy, too. And when I left social work, it was tough. But I knew I was leaving because their God had a bigger calling on my life and things that I wanted to go do. And I love being a social worker, and I, I still was able to impact those people. So I know it's not going to be an easy decision, but it's a decision that a man got to make, and I'm going to support you wherever, however you land on it. Hey, can I just add something in there, too? Oh, and then, no, Marquis. No, like, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so it's like, even in California, they make it very difficult to even um, be certified as a teacher. Like, you got these highly qualified teachers, got their credentials, master's degrees, and everything like that, and it's like, me coming in with a Georgia credential, like they gave me hell just to teach. But it's like I will walk in anybody's classroom and body their lesson. But when y'all talking about um, encouraging other black brothers to come in the classroom, it's like I can do that. But the state of California make it damn near impossible for us to do it because all of these 
restrictions that keep us out of the classroom as well. So there are things that are there. There are things that are on the horizon that are going to kind of cut into that. Um, and so one thing that I could share in New York State is that as opposed to having to take the Ed TPA, uh, they're now making moves to where your university can now certify you as a teacher. Right. And so usually what happens in New York State is kind of goes elsewhere or whatever. So look for those things down the pipeline to where your teacher education program will now be able to certify you as a teacher. Um, not saying that you won't have to take some type of test, but the level of content knowledge in those types of tests, I'm sure are going to be put on the black burner for the very reason that you speak of in order to diversify uh, the, the teaching quadrant. Yeah. Wait a second now. What does that mean exactly? Like, so wait, like what? Like, so that like means that lowering the bar so that people get I don't I don't think that I don't think that it's lowering the bar at all. Uh, be be being a, Help me out. Be okay, so so in my affiliation with a teacher education program right now, R1 NYU, um, I feel like the the Is things that, that are good. Yeah. <laughs> Depends on how you look at it. Never mind. Um, <laughs> I'm just causing violence on the show tonight. Yeah, it's all, it's all a, good. It's all good. I, before I we go deeper into that, though, because I, I only got to ask a few. Yeah. I want to make sure yeah, you ahead, get ahead, what ahead. they need. Yeah, uh, Mike, what, you, what what what's your next one, man? Right on. Uh, Come with it, B. Come with it, bro. Let them know. Yeah, you, you, you said you know. Let me ask you like an Oakland cat. I'm, I'm trying to be nice for the people out there in internet land. No, don't do that. We don't need <laughs> nice. We need you to survive and thrive. All right. So I'm actually I'm gonna, I'm gonna jump around in my questions a little bit. Um, all right. So as a black man, not just a leader, uh, you know, I more than feel like it's time for us to stop allowing what has been to remain the same. Um, our communities, they need to find a way to believe in themselves. A lot of what happens, especially in Oakland, it has to do with the lack of personal responsibility that our communities feel anymore. You got a system that looked you in your eyes and told you, you ain't wanted, we ain't accepting you, you and your kind here just based off of how you look. So it's not like it's just some weird made up, you know, feeling that they have. It's really happening to them. Yeah, but if, without being able to re-interject and like, wake up that personal responsibility that we all got responsibility to ourselves to respect and protect our homes and our families. We ain't going to continue to see nothing but a decline in our youth to say people we want to try to center our work around when we want to try to make some change. You know, I know it's, it's a lot of pain points involved when it comes to like closing schools, but if we ain't putting the education and quality of that education before anything else, then what the hell are we doing? And I guess my question is, you know, how do we wake up our people? And y'all experience, what are some ways that that can be achieved? I mean, personally, I feel like it's modeling it. You got to show them something different than dude on the block or hitting J's or something different than that. So I went to the military. That's why I came back and I tried to start with my kids. And kind of like you were saying, my life has kind of wrapped itself around. Well, now I do this for my city and what's best for them. And it ain't always the comfortable truth that's what's best for everybody else. Not for me. I take myself out the equation. Mm. Hey, see, there you go. I knew it was right there, B. I knew it was right there, mm -hmm. fellas. I saw. I saw Chris was rubbing his hands. He perked up on one of them parts, brother. So <laughs> he's gonna tap into my inner Uncle Ruckus with that one. Let me tell you <laughs> right now, he about to tap into it. Because <laughs> listen, not uh, Uncle Ruckus. <laughs> you know, not the not not all of the Uncle Ruckus stuff, but but the part of it that just says this. 
he is uh, 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 he's spot on. So this this brother, when he says, um, we've already been told by the system that that they don't really love us and it's not they don't have our best interest at heart. Okay, boom. Lesson learned. We've been told that, right? So you've already been told. The Maya Angelou principle tells you what when somebody shows you who you are. Believe them. Okay. Okay. So we believe them now. All right. Now what then? Because our kids still got to learn to read, and the system then told us something very clear. If every one of us, if everybody listening to this in our community, listening to this discussion right now, was doing everything that they knew to do possible to make sure that there were black readers in the world and that every kid got an education, we wouldn't be having this show right now. If everybody woke up at 4.30, 5 o'clock tomorrow and put their best game face on and did their best job of making sure that every black child got to uh, help or to a library or to a household that is the first school, if we were doing our job, there would be no need to talk to white people about anything. So let's just start with that. You know, uh, uh, this brother's giving the wake up call to everybody. When he says, how do we waken our own people? I think number one, that's the right question. Not that I have an answer. Sharif has said many times on this show, like you're trying to organize the people that aren't awake and that's going to fail, right? You have to awaken the people first. So if you have to awaken the people first, then, then that is the answer. Michael, I think in some ways is we could keep beating up on the system. We could keep trying to get the system to do right. We could keep doing all that. Or we could start doing some of what y'all are doing already in Oakland, like starting literacy funds and starting literacy giveaways and creating a culture of city-based reading. We're going to read together. We're going to do this together. I would love to see one of those in the Twin Cities and in Chicago and everywhere where black people start rallying together and saying, I will put in a thousand dollars. You put in 500, you put in $10, whatever it takes. And we're going to start getting the kids field trips and we're going to start getting them um, in after school programs that have a literacy basis to them. We're going to start like uh, attaching every, we're going to go to every nonprofit in their zip code and have a discussion with them about a role that they can play in making sure that the schools aren't the only ones trying to teach kids to read. Right. Those are things we can actually do because we can't control the system. The system is controlled by higher principalities and powers than ourselves. Mm -hmm. And it's Sunday night. If y'all want me to go on that, we can go for that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just telling you right now, there are higher powers and principalities. That's probably not where our literacy is going to come from. Okay. So I got a totally different approach to this answer right here. Right. <laughs> Uh, it's my this is gonna be wrong. It, it, people it, listen, it, this is about it, to be wrong. It, but okay, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, no, no, this is this is one hundred percent going to be wrong. But wrong for who? I don't know. So, <laughs> so, so there's a there's a there's a there's a housing um shortage, or well, not I wouldn't even say a housing shortage. Um, in Oakland, the of the it's not affordable for Black folks to li really live in Oakland anymore, right? Folks are being priced out, and uh, having to go to other places in order to live. So why not take those schools and loft conversions for affordable housing for families to be able to live in Oakland, right? Why not do that? That's an outside of the box way of looking at this, right? Um, it, that, that, those are my thoughts. And I think that if you, if you can compel uh, folks to look at it from that perspective of, hey, we're going to take these school buildings that are not being used and turn them into affordable housing for folks in Oakland to remain in Oakland, then that's a way for you to get the community on your side in order to, to, to close some of these schools and make Oakland great again. That's all I'm saying. Well, Jamoke came, Jamoke actually presented that there's a whole teach there's a whole housing thing that she talked about but here's the thing and i think this is where some of that frustration comes in and correct me 
because I'm listening to you. If the solution involves any of these systems that we're talking about, then we should not be talking. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's like, what are we going to do? What is the power that we got? Because every time, even with our dump the D, A through G thing, did it, got 7-0 support, all that stuff. And then the powers that be started coming in and now they starting to like bite away at it and take the bite off of it, right? And it's because systems is going to system. The city council is going to system. The school board is going to system. They're going to find a way to kick the can down the, down the hall again on this school closure thing. I've said this over and over. So I get that frustration, Mike. I think it's a mix of what Ray was saying and a mix of what Chris was saying. But I really think we have to – what is our solution? What is it that we are trying to do? And I think that, that that's just, you know, I, don't, I would ask – I want to go back to this one part, though. We have to stand up, too. There are some kids – Oh, no, stand to- up and fight them. No, no, I don't mean fight. I mean, do your job. Mm-hmm. Do your job. You about to lose your job as a parent. Yo, there are some kids that are going through Oakland schools, even as jacked me. up as they are, and still getting an education. Right? Let's not act like everybody in the system is failing, and everything about it is complete trash. There are some kids that are finding a way. They find a teacher like your teacher that you have with here with us today. You, they mm-hmm. find people that believe in them. They find things like kingmakers. They find like other things that y'all have going on. And they still, like, we know how to make lemonade out of lemons sometimes too. So the system is trash, but the system still will get some people through. Mm-hmm. So do your yeah. job. Do your damn job. And, and my, question, my question to Mike was going to be, what activated you? And maybe that'll be helpful for other people to hear or whatnot too. <laughs> like, what, what, what made you be like, you know what? Me just showing up at that at that parent teacher conference, I gotta do more. And also, where where do your four kids go to school? Because I think that's the other thing is that people might try to paint you as like, oh, this this charter supporter or this this cat. So, where your kids go to school and what activated you? And maybe that can help somebody somebody else. So between uh, between Reach Prescott Bay Tech uh, Bay Area Technology School and Cox Academy. So I got kids in both sides of the house. I don't have a I don't have a bias. Well, what, um, they don't know what that means. So are those charter schools, traditional schools, or a mix? So guys, it's a mix. Um, that's, that's two traditional district public schools and two um, charter public schools. Uh, so it's a mix of the two. And what activated me, um, I'm tired of seeing the same. My, my, you know, I'm, I'm one of them kids that made you know, lemons out of lemonade when I was growing up. My parents used somebody else's address when a business friend. So I could go to school in a district, you know, over to the other side. Now it's just so I could see something different. A lot of people that grow up in the deep east like I did, you don't see anything different in your lifetime than what's outside. Only examples of success you get is that drug dealer across the street. That's the only person you see with drip. You don't get to see nobody else to make much of themselves. I was blessed enough to have parents that worked hard. They retired from the Postal Service. And... So now when it was my turn to be a father and, you know, my injuries, you know, pushed me out of the everyday workforce scenario, it was important to me. Like, I need to step up. I need to make sure that I'm fulfilling all of my capacity as a father. Like you said, putting on my my best game face every single morning, despite how much pain I might be in, despite how much, you know, I might be going through whatever I'm going through on the inside, you know, um, I've been divorced for about six years, and it was kind of at that point, too, where it was important to me that I showed I didn't let this be what defined their life moving forward, the situation me and their mom went through. 
I needed to show them something different, what it looked like to give back in spite of what people going to look at you as. I already know I put myself out there. I say certain things. It's just like painting myself with a big bullseye. And the thing is, if nobody else ever does, then who the hell will? Like, I'm, I'm tired of seeing highly capable people settle for less because they don't believe that they could be nothing else. They cool with, you know, oh, they paying my rent, so I ain't going to get a job. Why was that okay with you? You know, because I don't have to work hard for it. That's cool. I'll never settle for that. And the thing is about black people, we the best at just being cool with everybody and everything. Every other race on the planet talk about how cool black people are and they accepting and so accepting. And you know what? How, I'm tired of accepting. I'm not going to keep accepting. And I'm not going to let my kids grow up in the world and make them think that they have to accept anything from anybody just because of their color. That's what made me stand up. Like, I'm from 94th and Plymouth, harder to kill zone. I grew up with nothing but people getting killed all around me. I grew up with nothing but my brother, you know, being failed by Castlemont. Just to have that same damn thing repeat itself with my ex-wife's son when he about to be 21. I ain't talking about an old problem. I'm talking about what's happening. Not what happened, you know, just to me, but what's happening right now. You look across the street from Castlemont, it's straight trap city. Nothing but abandoned buildings, nothing but bandos that all these different kids are going but cutting class to go trap out of because I can go and buy me a Louis belt with this money, but they ain't giving me nothing that I need in this school. I just recently went with a graduating class for this year and met with them. Do you know they can't wait to survive Oakland and get out? And that's not even the ones that's black. They believe they could be something because they're not black. The ones that's black can't dream beyond a $20 sewing machine. And if that don't tell you what's really going on in this city, nothing will. But well, I got people out here in this city that look like me talking about they riding for these black kids out here, but they, 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 they do nothing but disrupting the democratic process, throwing their politics up in people's face, distracting everybody from the fact that they, the schools are failing your kids. Come on. Come on. Mm -hmm. I feel That's it. What I'm, that's what I came here for. I feel you know, it, bro. Damn I feel questions it. to be asked to me. I came here for that testimony. <laughs> hey, man. I, and, and you got a whole support system, man. Uh, I know where we are on time. I don't know if anybody wants to respond to that before we go into Marquise, but I want to validate I think it. I, I just want to validate it by saying we all failing our kids. The system is failing them. Our neighborhoods are failing them. Our churches are failing them. Our nonprofits are failing them. Our parents are failing them. And if we can't say it and be bold enough to say it, because I heard my man say other races look at things like this and get a little bit more savage about their children than we get. We just cool with stuff. Bro, we got to stop being cool with stuff. Or yeah, save my fellow like school. Abusive, uh, you know, that abusive relationship. And, you know, you mentioned, like, doesn't love our kids. And we're like, yes, you do. Like, no, we really <laughs> Please take yes, more of them. Yes, you, do. you, really, you don't mean that. You don't mean that. Um, That's crazy. It's just, it's just this misplaced optimism that things will just automatically become better um uh, you know my political science teacher you know back in elementary school you know he used to say you know what sometimes you know as you know both what's beautiful about our culture is the achilles heel which is often right you know and that forgiving loving space can also be the achilles heel like too forgiving for much too much we see it somebody can get murdered and then they Go, we got some of us going hugging the uh, you know, person that did it, and all is like, oh, we can, you know, 
your child isn't even buried yet and you're like oh they didn't mean it right like and so but they're telling you they did mean it you know the anti-blackness and the level of the systems that have been built on anti-blackness those systems have never been deconstructed and so that means they are still in place and so it's a matter of people just kind of oiling those those gears and keeping it moving thinking they're doing something where people are we going to get serious and, and really deconstruct the systems that are, you know, that are in place, particularly the, the educational system, you know, and we might have skepticism about everything else. We don't have faith in the post office, but we got faith in the schools. Like to me, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> These yeah. are the, you know, how do you not have faith that you're like, oh, they ain't going to deliver that mail on time. They ain't going to do that. Oh, they lost it. But the child, like, oh no, they got it. You know, and I think you have to have that skepticism for any, as Chris calls it, delivery system for, you know, um, for education and really put what, what are the child's uh, needs first and then that collective work and responsibility, which is what you started off with. You know, that has to be, uh, you know. And yeah. Malcolm used to say, don't don't let people just be sad. You sad, you just sing sad songs, wring your hands, throw your hands, oh my God. Like folks need to get fired up. And I think part of what has to happen is this information campaign. Uh, Michael, like we have to make sure that people are super clear about what's actually happening. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think to me, that's a big part of, you know, um, just knowledge, information. It is, it's a tool, it's a weapon, it's an awakening um, if you have it. And I think uh, too many people is just, you know, they're numb. They're numb to a lot of, uh, a lot you of things. What? They should be numb yeah. too in some ways. Like y'all from, y'all from Oakland and y'all talking about Oakland. It came up in our book club this week that we had, cause we were studying a case study of a student from Oakland. And towards the end of the case study, it, it occurred to me that what we were talking about that was going on in this young man's life had all kinds of Oakland history behind it that that young man wouldn't have known the way the city was designed, where black people were put, how they were moved around, who, when people moved in from the South and got jobs, where they put them, how they put them there on top of each other, how they intentionally tried to make them uh, get corralled into places where they were going to be more sick, more ill, have more of the, like they, they purposely ghettoized people. If you are grown, if you are growing up in that, you are growing up in it. It's not that anybody is actually educating you necessarily about how all the things around you came to be. Right. So people aren't just complacent. It's not that they just don't want to do better or whatnot. They have lived through this for a long period of time and they have learned that damn near nothing changes anything. You can get guns. You can organize. You can show up to all the meetings. You can do all the right things and you still can end up with a dead child. Right. You can still end up with. So when I say do your job, I mean, do your job. I don't mean that you're 100 percent guaranteed to win, though. <laughs> mm -hmm. let's be real the reason that people are complacent in some in some ways is because they're realistic it's not because they're stupid it's because they're realistic they didn't try everything that people are bringing to them to try and still whatever hope they can hold on listen if y'all have any parties in oakland for anything where people are feeling good god bless you right because all the evidence available evidence is telling you that hope is kind of like a wasted emotion in some ways i don't mean that to like listen we're at the end of the show i don't want to like uh, uh, um, I don't want to make it like nihilistic, but the, oftentimes the community is realistic about their nihilism when they don't want to participate in things and show up to things or whatnot is because there's several generations of learnings in them that a lot of things don't, don't work out well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Before, yeah. remember Jeez, we talked I, about this before it was like, I just want, I, just, I, really, I didn't want to interrupt, man. I, I just oh, know we're on time and I wanted to make sure Keith at least got his, 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 his other question in 
before we closed up, man, I, you know, I, I know you have something in your heart, so I want to give you that space. Um, and then one or two of us can address it, but I wanted to make sure y'all felt that love and that support. So, you know, Mike got his three. I wanted to make sure you got your three. Marquise. Oh, me. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, well, my last question is kind of like a personal question, just as a black man. Um, I noticed that y'all do a lot in the education field. And so like, as a black man, like there's a there's this big pressure on our back to be like providers. And so like as we elevate in our career and our purpose, um, like what are some strategies that y'all implement to be like mentally, physically and emotionally present for like y'all kids? Um, like y'all see, I'm always with my son working, but um, you see these bags under these eyes. Like it's, it's definitely a difficult process. So what are some strategies y'all implement like to avoid like that burnout? Let me get two responses from you brothers, man. The, the pappies. <laughs> <laughs> very did you happy say I the pappies did you say the, the pappies the pappies <laughs> very happy i can't partake in this question two of y'all please <laughs> oh god that's hilarious <laughs> yeah I, I mean i listen i i can't tell you that's something i've uh you know perfected ever um and sharif got a lot of babies so he should go first <laughs> I, I i would say you know i I don't believe in it, the idea of work-life balance. Uh, I've been uh, really, you know, a friend of mine uh, talks about different uh, term, like work-life harmony. Um, someone else introduced this idea of work-life rhythm uh, and understanding, you know, like just how life is. And, and you know, our social worker, when I was uh, still a shoemaker, gave us, uh, you know, some really good PDs on uh, creating moments and finding those, finding those times, being present in these kind of micro moments. Uh, but I, you know, I, I don't know the, the, I don't know how to uh, give you feedback about not being tired. Uh, that's, you know, parenting is, even if you had a, a job that I think that was, you know, uh, less, you know, uh, stressful, huge, you know, weighty, um, you know, being a father, you know, is uh, being a parent, being a father is, you know, it's it's uh, it's rewarding and it's exhausting. Right. Like that's a part of it. I think just finding space for you to be able to, you know, um, you know, just check in with yourself, finding the moments that you enjoy, you know, finding a rhythm. You know, I think those are the most, uh, you know, that's that's what I found. Um, but I, I don't, you know, we had Hillary Beard over here a couple of years ago to try to help us all with that, with that question. You're, uh, and, you know, I don't, I don't think we've ever, you know, gotten, you know, beyond that, but I would say, find, find the moments, find like, what's your, where do you find joy and try to find, you know, time to fit that in, make time um, to fit that in. For me, it's, it's nature being, you know, anytime that I can find to be in nature. Um, so that's, that's what I try to do. Um, but I don't have any great answers for you, bro. It's a, it's a struggle. We all on this road, you know, I'll take a quick stab at it and say, um, cause Michelle Johnson is trolling us in the comments and she's like, they got great wives. <laughs> I do. I do. Listen, listen, I don't know what I, I, but I was a single father for a long time too. So yeah, yeah. I was a single father. That's because, that's, you know, that's because nobody wanted to deal with your foolishness. Listen, okay, I, I got no argument about that. You know what I'm saying? Leave the violence alone. Uh, but Marquise, this is what I say. Um, 
I do, in fact, have a life partner who's the director of Homeland Affairs and makes so many things possible <laughs> in my life uh, that were not possible before uh, before I had a director of Homeland Affairs in my life. So that that's one thing. Two, um, I have faith that like I don't know everything and that I'm not capable of doing everything and I need my breaks and I need some time in life. But God has a calling for me and God will work it out. So there are, t there are times when I'm in challenging situations that are grinding me down or whatnot, and I just give it up. It's not even on me anymore. If, you, if people are fighting with me or they weren't trying to make something happen in my life that is not positive or whatnot, um, they're going to lose because their arms are too short to box with God. So I keep my faith in that. Um, also, like being a parent, being a father, it's trying at times, but it also keeps you sane in some ways, like seeing the hope in young people, like when you have your own child, seeing their, their mm -hmm. buoyancy mm -hmm. and their spirit and their, their, their laughter and their fun that they're still having in life uh, kind of recharges you and keeps you going. Uh, the people that you surround yourself with, hopefully they, they same thing. They, you know, keep you going, uh, recharge and keep you going. The other thing, the last thing is uh, I lost all my grandparents, um, at different points in life when they were telling me parts of their story that were really important. And so I have only a finite number of stories to work with, but all of them are harder than anything that I do. Right. Mm -hmm. So whenever I'm thinking like I'm having the worst day, like if the worst I got to do is put up with some of these politics or some of these grinds or, or kind of basic concerns or whatnot, I have all these stories of what my, 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 my ancestors did, my immediate ancestors and my long-term ones. And then I don't feel like I have much room to complain because I got it really good in comparison to them. Yes, I'm tired. Yes, I'm sick of the attacks. Yes, I've lost jobs. All of that is true. Um, but at the end of the day, I have it so much better than my ancestors, including my immediate ancestors, that, um, that it keeps me going. It lets me know that I, I'm actually the continuation of their fight. That's what's up, man. Bro, join everybody, that ministry every, every, when you can. Join in that ministry, bro. Bro, I, I, I know you said two or three, yes. Charles, but everybody's got to answer this question, sir. And so uh, my answer to this question is uh, I also have a director of uh, Ancrum Securities LLCs. And so uh, both home and abroad, uh, she is the director. And uh, because these kids are something. But I think what's been helpful for me is that I've always wanted to be a gamer. Right. But I've never had the money or the financial resources in order to buy the games and sustain my gaming lifestyle. And so now that I got a little bread and I got these three newest gaming systems uh, at my helm, I feel like that's going to give me a lot of peace. Right. And so that that's where I'm at. Be a gamer. <laughs> I got Minecraft going in the background. The moment that this goes off, the moment that this is done, I'm all up in Minecraft tonight, just so y'all know. If you want to join my realm, Marquise, that's how you do it, bro. If you want to join my my realm, I'll send you an invite. You, just, just meet me in Minecraft, but bro, you'll be good. You'll be good. Hey, and Reef, what up? What up? Hey, hey, Reef, and if you want to hit Reef up, Reef still got the Contra cheat code for the first Mar Nintendo. Marquise, A B A B A B. I know. I don't do no games. Get a book, bro. Just, just so, go, so go let's do this. Water. Uh, Y'all got that nice lake in Oakland. Get yourself a dope book. Get a cup nice of coffee lake. and go see the body of the lake. <laughs> <laughs>
And then my that son, link that was outside of Wayfinder, that wasn't. That's not night. Where was the Wayfinder office? That no, no, it's, nice. it's fine. It just, it just ain't a nice one. That's all he's saying. It's just, <laughs> what was you saying about the slam working? I sat out that side. It looked. It's it cool. I mean, white folks started fishing in it. White folks just started fishing it. They crazy. Um, it's disgusting. Uh, that lake smells putrid. I didn't say so, drink it. I just said sit by. Nah, it. I it's feel you know. People sit out there all the time. It it, it be kind of litty though, bro. I don't know if you want to take kids out there all the time. It's moments, and then it's moments when you don't. But uh, I will say this. We're going to wrap. We're going to go into these final thoughts. Keith and Mike, y'all will get uh, um, the, the last go before I close us out. But, Chris, let's start with you. Um, just real quick, any final thoughts or for these brothers? I mean, you know, and, and thank you all for being willing to do a show like this. I know it's different. So but I know I needed it. So hopefully it was helpful to them. So I'll start with Chris. Charles, we did the show. We did the same kind of show last week. Knock it off. We did not do a mentorship show last week. Stop it. Stop yeah, interrupting me. I ain't I don't interrupt your stuff. I'll be let go ahead, Chris. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. We ain't never did a damn um, mentorship show. Well, first of all, thank you, brothers, for coming on this show. Thank you for for standing up and doing what you're doing right now. If you are a black man right now and uh you're on the younger end of the spectrum, and to me, a lot of people are on the younger uh, younger end of the spectrum. God bless you for showing up as a father, as a dad, as a challenger to the system, as a person who knows how to infiltrate the system and double cross, as a person who's either going to teach young people or mentor young people or take an interest in them in any way, shape or form, because right now that's God's work. That's your hands. That's God's work. That's what you're supposed to be doing. God is channeling through your body the, the help to get uh, aid and comfort to our black young people right now who have been wronged for so long that anybody who shows up to do their work better be like anointed uh, uh, to do the work. So I appreciate you all as being like the next wave of hope. You are the next defense against nihilism. You are the next wave of hope. You are the next, you are in this game. You are in the fight now. You have been awakened to it, uh, uh, you know, and, and God bless you, right? Stay strong, keep the Minecraft on, right? Don't go crazy. Don't let people like make you second guess yourself or doubt yourself because you're doing the right thing. You're doing your job. You're showing up uh, to do the work. So thank you. Don't thank us because we didn't offer you a lot tonight. <laughs> thank you for doing what you do. Sheree, thank you, Chris. Reeve. Yeah, I, I would just say, you know, um, you know, be encouraged, you know, the, the work that you're doing. I, I appreciate the leadership roles that you all have embraced and taken on. I appreciate the, the humility as you're serving. Um, you know, that Mary Church Terrell uh, quote from back in the day where she said, we lift as we climb. And the work that you're doing is obviously an embodiment of that. Um, you know, continue to be in community with others. You know, I, I think that's, you know, um, and please count us as, you know, as, you know, um, us being a part of your community. Um, and, you know, just keep up the great work. You know, lead a gaming alone. You ain't, you ain't got time for that. We got work to do. I disavow. <laughs> I disavow. <laughs> I'll see anybody on that, on 2K or Madden on, on, on that new Xbox. But, Ray, go ahead, B. So, um, I want to say uh, to Keith, be selfish, bro. Uh, if it's your time to leave the classroom, uh, leave. I disavow. Um, for, <laughs> for Michael, if it's his time, only he knows it is, if it's his time. Michael, uh, run for school board, bro. Uh, you, I, I, th I feel like they're ready for you, and, and your campaign is something that I would get behind uh, immediately. So definitely take that into your thoughts and consideration, right? Um, I think... Uh, you know, healthy skepticism uh, for the U.S. postal system uh, for the for the U.S. postal system birthed Amazon, 
And so we we need to have healthy skepticism for um for uh traditional public schools. And so maybe that'll birth uh the opportunity for for us to have uh the education system of our dreams uh because we currently don't have it right now. And so um if anybody is encouraged by what occurred uh you know from folks being skeptical skeptical about receiving their mail on time uh, we need to be skeptical about our kids receiving the kind of education that we think that they deserve. That's what's that up. did not give birth to Amazon. Amazon <laughs> used the damn postal system and their mail was on time. That's how they made billions of dollars. That's how hey, they made billions and billions hey, of dollars. Hey, you, the hey, they were selling, they were selling so you, books at first. You, Don't forget, through the post office. You, uh, you, yeah. Healthy you skepticism Analyze it how you want to analyze it. <laughs> I, I'm so proud of our guests. Y'all have been I'll amazing. Uh, Marquise, <laughs> Marquise, give me your final thought, brother. Any final takeaways before I go to you, Mike? Um, I just really would like to tell y'all that I appreciate y'all for um, offering that advice. It definitely is value. Um, you may not feel like it was a lot, but it actually was a lot because it actually um, it served as like inspiration and motivation to um, to make certain decisions. And, um, and I appreciate y'all offering the, the fatherhood strategies as well too, because it's definitely difficult. But um, it feels good knowing that like I'm not the only one that's experiencing this. So I appreciate y'all. That's what's up, man. That's what's up, Mike. And yeah, I'd also like to echo, I really appreciate this. It's not too many different spaces that you really get. Um, I mean, as a black man, period, to just kind of talk with other people that's going through what you're going through, be open and be honest, especially not without being looked at as you less than. Because the moment we do that, we're some kind of weak. Uh, so that being said, and I really, really appreciate this space. And it was actually very, very valuable to me to be able to talk about, through some of this stuff and uh, get your feedback. So I really appreciate the advice. Man, and just know that you can reach out to any of us at any time, man, and I'll be there to stand with you in whatever way. You know what I'm saying? And even if that, because we know it can get spicy in Oakland, man. And uh, for my final, I, you know, I want to draw Can you talk about Juwan Howard in your final, bro? I mean, no, I can't talk about Jawan Howard because I got something important to say, but you can go ahead and say something about it right no, now. No, 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 go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. It's all good. Uh, I've been in the in the Akbar, the Jawan's Kunjufu, the Way Nobles literary freaking uh, uh, universe, right? And I'm going to just leave you with what, what, what those quotes, uh, I didn't talk a lot uh, because I, but y'all was hitting it on this. The first one is, uh, from Agbar said, no particular people have a monopoly on such universal truth, even though the captors are strategically determined to convince the captors of this. The only chosen people are the choosing people. So y'all are leading choosing people. And then this last piece, man, where they're talking about manhood. But we're going to sub that out for the black free community. Uh, it's a declaration of your black community when you begin to define yourself for yourself and by yourself. This is the first characteristic of a true black community. No one tells you who your leaders are when you are a true black community. No one tells you what you what, what are your ideals or your goals or what they should be for you are a true black community. When you are in that, you think for yourself and in your self-interest, people of Oakland, and you think in your own self-interest, no one has the authority to tell a real black community what is his or her most pressing problems are. And based on your own research and observation, a real community knows what environments are most conducive for their growth and the growth of their children and off seats. So I would just say that y'all have been amazing, man. And um, there's just a lot of truth. You don't stand alone. There have been people that have been talking about this, struggling with this, uh, 
articulating this and and you know and, if, and Keith and Michael y'all have to deal with me all the time but if there are other people like Javi or people around that want to have a black male group where we can have those kind of conversations bro I will do that I will put up the resources for that whatever that means because I don't want y'all out there alone the way that some of us was in these fights y'all are being more powerful and it's gonna heat up and also I know Mike I know where Mike is from I know Keith I know where Keith is from the same way I am people get this close sometimes, and that ain't what people really want to do. So I want to make sure y'all don't go crazy. I want to make sure you don't punch the wrong person too fast, because uh, I do think when you do do that, you got to make it count, because it's over after that. But uh, for Sharif, Ray, Chris, Keith, and Michael, I'm Charles. This has been another episode of Eight Black Hands. We will see you all next Sunday, same back time, same back station. Y'all be blessed.